0: is a time to like show to the Lord, I'm not just I'm not just saying I'm hungry for you, but I'm proving that I am hungry and that you're the only thing that can fill that void. And fasting is a time that we take this desire for food and we transpose it to uh, making us longers for God. Those that long after God. And and so, you know, just kind of a little little foundation that fasting can be this week uh it can be like hey i'm not gonna be on facebook i'm not gonna be watching the news i'm not gonna get my daily starbucks you know i'm not gonna um you know sin or something whatever you know like yeah please don't do that one um maybe fast from sin this week okay uh but like a biblical like first stage discussion on fasting is concerning food okay and And uh, I think it was Arthur Wallace that said, you know, we only have to widen the meaning um, enough before it loses its cutting edge, you know. And so just kind of initially we're talking food here. And then as you pray and you kind of look at the word and you consider your health and maybe talk with your doctor or whatever, um, you know, then you can kind of go from there to just what the Lord might have. But uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, I wonder whether we have ever fasted. I wonder whether it has even occurred to us that we ought to be considering the question of fasting. The fact is that this whole subject seems to have dropped right out of our lives and right out of our whole Christian thinking. And I just want to take a minute to kind of share a little bit um, my testimony of fasting. Um, You know, Kind of growing up, knew that fasting was a biblical principle. Um, before I made the big decision to propose to Lindsay, I fasted for a day. Uh, when I became a youth pastor, I remember fasting with my leadership that I had. And uh, it was a three-day fast, and we broke that fast by going to Red Robin. Okay? Um, I don't recommend that. Although, it's the same thing basically Friday night for us as we feast here. But really, you know, kind of aside from that, it was 2009 that I did my first seven-day fast. Nothing but water. And the reason is because Calvary Chapel, Corvallis, uh, I was on staff there. I was the high school pastor. Um, We all did our first seven-day fast as a church. Same thing. In fact, uh, same thing with meeting three times a day. In fact, we're joining the same week with Calvary, Corvallis. Uh, Calvary Burns, John Day, Coastline Christian in Astoria, South Beach Church in Newport. I mean, a lot of the Calvary chapels in Oregon were all fasting this week. So there's this great community that's going to be digging in deep for our state. Uh, So that's an exciting thing. But but it was that time in my life where I'd been a youth pastor on staff for nine years, eight and a half years. And uh, I knew that the Lord was calling me on to be a senior pastor somewhere. And... um, And that was, you know, a little bit of, you know, hey, Lord, where are you going to call me? Where are you taking me? And um, I didn't know where to go. And something that we're going to see later on in the book of Ezra is that uh, fasting is a great way to seek the Lord for direction in our life and with our family. So I knew that I was called to be a pastor. I was raised on a ranch, and I knew I had a heart for ranchers. Um, And so as I was looking for where... Maybe needed a Calvary Chapel. I scrolled through the Calvary Chapel map on their website. And it's like every town had a Calvary Chapel. Um, there were a lot of coastal towns open, but ew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as I'm like looking around, there's like a mining town in Montana. And then like all of a sudden I find it. Casper, Wyoming. No Calvary Chapel. Home of Halliburton. And beef, okay? I'm like, these are my people. And so I started uh, praying towards Casper. And I began fasting for that seven days. And I personally, I started reading through the book of Acts. Something that I noticed in the book of Acts was that you see a few different times that when we are seeking the Lord concerning something, sometimes on the other end of the situation, someone else is seeking the Lord for you. About that same situation look at Cornelius right Peter's up on the housetop praying Cornelius is offering alms and prayers to the Lord up in Caesarea and uh, and the Lord connects the two they're both seeking the Lord and the Lord draws a line between them. To connect them, look at uh, Paul's missionary journey, his second missionary journey, and they're stuck. They, like the Lord is forbidding them in Acts sixteen from going everywhere, and they're stuck up in Troas, up against the ocean. They don't know where to go for the missions movement, and God shows uh, God gives Paul a dream of a Macedonian man who's begging him to come over to Europe, over to the area of Philippi and Macedonia, and you kind of see that the vision's interesting. It ends out being. Uh, A a woman from turkey Lydia seller of purple Uh, It turns out to be a jailer Who's not even saved yet And it turns out to be a demon possessed girl And these are the people that over on this side There's kind of a longing going on That they don't even know about necessarily Maybe Lydia would be an example And the Lord connects them And so I wrote in my journal Lord I pray that wherever I'm supposed to go um, That you would just have them be praying from me as well. And, uh, and we were a month away from moving to Casper, Wyoming, when I got a call from the formal, former pastor here. Uh, Ryan Couch was his name, who started this church. And he said, Hey, c- would you consider coming to Prineville? And it's a long story, but that ended up opening up this door that is just above and beyond what I could have ever hoped or dreamed. And I'm just telling you from that testimony that the Lord uh, moves in, in radical ways when we seek Him with fasting. Uh, As I move here, I introduced Calvary Prineville to fasting. Um, Nothing, I mean, it's not me, but, you know, sometimes we just need to be reminded of the word, right? And uh, we began fasting every year. 2019 was a little break that we took that year from a big one-week fast. But this is our uh, um, 11th year fasting uh, as a church, like, with intensity. And um, I remember, uh, you know, just a little testimony, 2011. Uh, I was approached with uh, an idea um, concerning you know maybe somewhere we ought to take the church and i said let 's pray and fast about this and in our prayer and fasting time, uh, the Lord took me to psalm fifty five and, and I believe that it was a specific word showing me the heart of this individual who wanted to take us in a direction and uh, and it was that there was like almost like a treacherous heart behind it and uh, and the Lord was like. Don't do it. And so the Lord stopped us from going somewhere that really seemed attractive and seemed really big for our church and seemed to be something that was going to make us a big deal or something like that. And the Lord was like, uh uh, not with you and not with this individual. Um, every year there's something special going on and I'm just gonna, um, poor Heidi, I didn't get a chance to talk to her. And so I'll just kind of try to control as much as I can from here until we get to the scriptures, Heidi, let's give Heidi a hand. We're so thankful for Heidi. She tries so hard and she wants, and she's just working with a guy that's like, how about over here? Right. Now? How about over here? You know, seat of my pants for sure. And so, uh, here's just, uh, one of the meetings that we had, um, probably in the middle of the day of some of the fasting that was taking place. And uh, every year we would do something different. One year we read Genesis through Ruth in seven days, ten verses at a time, each person reading. Every gathering, Genesis through Ruth, just getting into the word. And that came from, I was 14 years old, I went to Hungary, and a lady got saved in a street outreach that we did. And we did that street outreach for seven days. And in seven days, this newly born again Hungarian woman read the New Testament in a week. And I was like, man, wouldn't that be special to just be able to just, you know? And so we, you know, Genesis through Ruth. And um, another year we read uh, the whole New Testament. In fact, a few years we've read the whole New Testament in a week. Amazing. It's like something like 15 chapters per session or something like that. You know, I mean, we're just like, all right. Um, We've read the book of Revelation on an easier pace. We've read the book of Acts on an easier pace. Uh, This year, we're reading the Minor Prophets on, believe it or not, an easier pace, just five chapters per session. But, um, you know, I come from a very mission-minded church, uh, Calvary Corvallis. We've been part of Hungarian mission movements, the Brazil Calvary Chapel movement. Actually, the Lord used Calvary Corvallis to get Calvary's uh, church planning movement going on in Brazil. Um, And uh, I've led multiple mission trips to Mexico, Brazil, Hungary. Um, and so it was in my heart that we're a mission church and, and there was some missions going on here, uh, at Calvary Crook County at the time. Um, but, but some of it was like, Hey, I just want you to know, I'm going on a mission trip Pew, and they're gone, you know? And I was like, well, what about our involvement? You know? And, and, uh, and there just wasn't a lot of church involvement per se. And I was like, well, maybe we'll take our church and we'll just connect with some, we'll just piggyback onto some Calvary Corvallis mission trips. And I felt like the Lord said for a number of years, no, just wait. I'm going to do something special through you guys. And, um, and so in 2014, we had a specific mission focus uh, for our fast. And uh, it was uh, actually a Passion Week fast uh, in 2014. And we prayed that the Lord would open up a door for missions in our church. And it actually that fast led to a calling for all the men in the church to take special time every morning and to wake up an hour before they normally would wake up and to seek the Lord for the missions in our church. And so we had the fast and then that led to just a positioning of ourselves for a move of the Lord in leading us in, in uh, missions. Uh, the Lord led us through, uh, Kevin Vaughn was one of the elders at the time, and he found this mission conference that was in Birmingham, Alabama, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Radical by David Platt, um, but we'd read his book, we'd done discipleship with him, uh, with Follow Me and, and Radical, and there was this mission conference, and you had to apply to go to the missions conference, um, and, and so we applied, and we got accepted, they were only accepting a hundred um, pastors uh, or churches. And we were accepted to go. And as we were going, we were talking about one of our missionaries had let us know about a sermon David Platt had done concerning the gospel and Nepal and just how David Platt, who's led many different mission trips, he's had a lot of his disciples martyred for the faith in different countries. And he uh, was talking about Nepal and how high up in the Himalayas, there are many different people groups who don't know Jesus, and there's such demonic, dark activity that it's like nothing he's ever seen. It's so dark, so sad, just such bondage, such strongholds, and, uh, and uh, we were just hearing about this sermon, and I was like, well, that's crazy. I don't even know where Nepal is, you know, and um, we get to this conference, and we're sitting down, and there's five people at our table. We each introduce ourselves. And sitting right next to us, this guy says, hey, um, here's my name, and I'm from Nepal. And we say, oh, no way, crazy, we were just talking about this, you know, David went to Nepal and this and that and the other, and do you know, like, anything about that? He goes, oh, yeah, it was my organization that took David, we helicoptered up, and then we trekked through two, for two weeks through Nepal, and, uh, you know, that, that was me, you know, <laughs> and we're like, oh, that's crazy, you know. And as we talk with this guy, our hearts are knit together with him. And there was a time when we had to take a test at this conference about the mission climate of our church. And we got like a D plus on it, you know, and he just kind of giggled and he's like, I just want you to know that like my, he he was like a Navy SEAL who had seen things, um, you know, in in the mission world. He was like, you know, kind (laughs) of, and like, he was kind of hiding stuff. You're like, what kind of stuff have you seen? And he's like. You know, you know, warriors and veterans are like, let's not talk about it. You know, and for like a week, we're like, what else is going on? And, you know, and, uh, and he begins to open up to us and he says, my heart is knit to you. And within a few weeks, he'd come to Prineville, uh, shared with our body. He got us started on our first missions trips uh, to Nepal and, um, I'm just going to share a few just pictures. I mean, I have thousands of pictures that I was trying to share for today. It's like, how do you even pick, right? Uh, But the Lord has led us to be a part of the missions to the unreached Tibetan Buddhist peoples in the Himalayas. And it is intense training. We have to do for about six, five, six months every year leading up to our journeys. We've gone on six trips, five trips. The six was canceled last year because of COVID. We were two days from flying out, trained for it, and it got canceled Um, but the Lord has been using our church, uh, that we had nothing to be a part of what God's doing in this highly unreached, very dark demonic area. We have had incredible attack from the enemy as we've gone over there. In fact, even the organization we're with says, I don't know what it is with your group, but there's always crazy stuff that happens with you. And then just to show the hand of the Lord that he uses the little people, you know, um, you know, we're like this little pin on the map. And over these years that we've known this organization and our friend through this organization, like Prionville Calvary is well spoken of among the mission community, even at this radical conference that there was something that God did there in this tiny little church in Oregon that is if we could get the mega churches to have the Lord do what happened in this little church, like that would just be an incredible thing. And so we give God... All the praise for that. But all of it comes from, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. All of it comes from, uh, I believe, our times of seeking the Lord in prayer and fasting. We had nothing, you guys. We had nothing. We didn't know where to go. And then we saw the hand of the Lord say, uh, we want you to go uh, this direction. Um, That same year, two thousand. Going into two thousand and fifteen um, as we were fasting and praying, it was the week, uh, the week the fast ended uh, that the big earthquake happened in Nepal, and the Lord used us to send aid to the organization out of twelve helicopters in Nepal, whatever that is. Um, this organization is giving two of the helicopters because they know the people in the little villages that are in. And we were able to be a big part as a church in rallying, help, and support. This was the, like the day the fast ended was when the earthquake happened. Uh, this was in 2015. Again, we had a, fa- a Passion Week fast through the book of Acts. And as we're reading through the book of Acts, uh, one guy came up and said, man, as I'm reading the book of Acts, it seems to me that when people believe the gospel, then they get baptized. We're like, yeah. He's like, well, I was baptized like as a baby. I didn't even know that there was a God. And I really feel like uh, maybe um, on Easter, which was that Sunday, maybe I should get baptized. Like, that's awesome. Had a couple people come and say that. So, uh, so we arranged for that Sunday to have our water trough, our horse trough up here. Uh, it was at the old church. And, uh, and we had two services back then. And we had the water trough. And first service gets done and the guy who was going to get baptized wasn't in first service. And I was like, well, here's water. You know, maybe after preaching about the resurrection of Jesus, someone will want to get baptized. And... And so we kind of, this is a step of faith, by the way, when there's no one lined up to be baptized and you kind of walk to the water and you're like, <laughs> hey, you're fully dressed. Would you like to hop in? And so we kind of give an option for baptism and we're just praying. I'm like, ah, you know, it's just one of those times no one comes. And, and Lisa Newberger, who's the sound guy's wife, David's wife, sitting back in the sound booth, gets up and comes forward. And gets baptized. And this is first service, guys. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> ten people come up to get baptized. Sometimes you're the one that's just like, Pff, you break the dam, you know. So Lisa, praise God for her faith that day. She came up to get baptized. And this was already at the end of the service. All of a sudden, we're baptizing ten people. <laughs> and, we, and this is Easter Sunday. All of a sudden, this big crowd comes in. And they're coming in. Uh, but we're still baptizing. Hurry up. Just get in. Just get in. Get out. <laughs> You know, and we essentially had a revolving door uh, because the last person gets baptized and we just say, worship team starts singing and these guys go out, this group comes in and we're going again, okay? After that service, uh, we had 30 people get baptized, okay? 30 people. You got to understand, our carpet was trashed, okay? Like our towels, we were out of towels. Like people are using three times used baptismal towels, tons of holy water on them, okay? And, uh, and a guy comes up and gets baptized who had been living with his girlfriend and they'd already had like one or two kids together. I can't remember exactly. And he gets baptized. Okay. And then like, as we're baptizing people, like 30 minutes later, his girlfriend comes up, they're living together and have kids and, and she comes up and she gets baptized. And, And then as we're still baptizing people, they come up and they're like, Hey, we've, we're like living in sin and. Like, what do we do now? You know, and, and I just, I felt like the Lord, you know, this isn't all the time. And I was just kind of like, come up here on the stage. <laughs> and I married him right there. <laughs> I talked, I talked. Couple of the elders, I'm like, guys, here's the situation. Like, let's go through a bunch of rigmarole. You got to move out, and you already have a child. Like, kind of like you're committed, you know, and this and that. And we're like, I think this is like the a work of the Spirit right now. So they come up, they're wet in their baptismal clothes, and we do a wedding, you know, and and then we did another wedding, a legal one, um, a couple weeks later. Are, are we still on live stream? Because it's uh, <laughs> like 20 things I'm going to be arrested for here uh, today. Yeah. Thank you guys. It won't be the first time. It won't be, uh, the last time. So 40 people got baptized the day after this passion week fast ended. Okay. Can we give God glory for that? That was in 2015 and two, th- my, mind you missions is going, you know, and, and, uh, 2016 comes and we're growing as a church. Everyone's having babies. Babies are having babies. I mean, it's crazy stuff going on. We had a little building. It was 4,200 square feet, maybe 4,500 square feet. It had a leaky roof, and we tried try to fix the roof, and the f- leaks weren't fixed. It's like a 100-year-old building. Um, sound is, uh, I'm sorry, water is pouring out of the light fixtures into our sound booth during the week. Uh, ice is making ice dams. Like, it's this horrible thing. A lot of you guys were there. We're trying to fix it. We don't fit in the building, especially in the children's ministry. So we start looking at buildings. And we looked at the old Outback Pizza Place, which then became Sears, which became the hub, which became, there's something yesterday I saw. It's like an insurance place or something. Uh, Really neat building, but it was going to take something like $100,000 to fix up. And we tried to get a loan to do that. And um, you have to have $55,000 in like a reserve safety account as a church to get a loan. Well, we had $55,000 in a reserve safety account, but it was for missions. And we said, "Uh uh-uh, like absolutely not. This is for the advancement of the gospel to unreached people groups. It's not for a building. And so we walked away from that. We tried to remodel another building next door to the meat market at our old building. And we got it all figured out. We got plans drawn up. We got the money to do it. And we're gonna just basically give this landlord Twenty thousand dollars to fix his building up so we can use it. He just says, "I don't want to do that." But we knew it was the Lord, and so, uh, but that began our our praying and our fasting. This is two thousand sixteen for some building. In fact, we uh, looked at the funeral home that was kitty corner to the building. We looked at the uh, now the fire. Department rents this building that's across from our old building We looked at like every building we could and just the Lord kept shutting the doors like okay, Lord, we just trust you and In 2017 uh, And I was looking at the slides from our fast of 2017 We began to pray specifically for the Lord to open up the door on a building we went on a mission trip to Nepal and on our way back we hear that a guy from our church was at the laundromat. And he's talking to a gal from the Episcopal church. And he's like, yeah, our church is looking for a bigger building. And she's like, our church has a giant building and we just don't like have the people to fill it. Like, we should exchange information. So we get back from Nepal. We're driving back from Nepal and we get a call. And we need to call the Episcopals uh, to see about um, an arrangement. So 2017... We're fasting for a building, and the Lord begins this conversation uh, with the Episcopal Church. And they said, Hey, uh, we want you to write out best case scenario of what renting this building would look like. Just give it to us, you know. So we line out, like, first of all, here's our statement of faith, and here's what we believe, and if that doesn't jive at all with where you guys are at, no problem, we'll just step back, you know. Um but we also say, and here's when we meet in the church, and here's when we meet, and here's when we meet, and here's when we meet, and here's how many people we have. And they come back to us and they say, you guys are going to be using this building like a ton more than we are. Would you be interested in buying it from us? And we said, uh, well, um, we tried to get loans before, and we would need you guys to carry the loan. And so they said, okay. Every, by the way, every conversation that we'd have, it was like, three months before we'd hear back, because they'd have to go talk to their, di- uh, to their diocese, their organization, and come back. So it was really a slow process. This is 2017 when this happened, right? It's, uh, they say, yeah, we could carry the loan for you with a five-year balloon. You've got to pay, pay it off within five years, uh, but that will get you in the door. And then they also say, we want you to know that this building and property has tasks ex- tax-assessed For anywhere over the last 75 years from $300,000 to $700,000, we want to give it to you for $350,000. And uh, and so the Lord just gave us just an incredible deal, and that began to get the ball rolling on that. And there will be more on that uh, as we go forward and just talk of the Lord's faithfulness. Um, At the same time, we began praying, same fasting week, 2017, one of the slides is, let's pray for a building. Second thing we began praying for is, God, you've done global missions and you've gotten that going here at Calvary Prideville. Now, will you get regional missions going on? Or we want to start reaching our community and reaching these little towns around us. And that began uh, what was... um, our regional ministries here at the church. We began to drive every Sunday as a circuit preaching team uh, from Prineville to Seneca. You go past Polina, you hit Seneca. Uh, the, the John Day Church, Calvary Chapel, had been doing the Seneca Church, and that pastor had lost his house in the fire in John Day, lost a grandson to suicide that year. He was like, I'm out, I can't do this anymore, I gotta move over by family, so I'm done in 30 days I'm trusting you, Prineville and uh, Calvary Chapel Burns to take on this church or it's just done. Like I can't do it. And so we take on my buddy, Josh Bryant and Burns and myself and all of you guys, we take on the Seneca ministry and the John Day church. So we'd be here Sunday service. We get done, hop in our car, lunch is already made. We're eating on the road. We're driving to Seneca two hours away. This is the church in Seneca and, uh, we began to uh, minister there in Seneca. And then after that, after a 2, a, 2 p.m. service, we went to um, Calvary Chapel John Day. Here's us kind of saying goodbye to Ira. And uh, there at Calvary John Day, a lot of you guys would go with us. Here's one of the teams one day that went. You see the Barneys. You see uh, Courtney there. You see uh, Justin Reisenhower and Katie Reisenhower going. Many of you guys went, I know. And for months, every Sunday after church, boom, we're to Seneca. Boom, John Day. Get home 10 p.m. Sunday night uh, here. And as the Gospel of Mark says, it was a day well spent. And the Lord opened up this door for regional ministry in our church. Now, as you know... I have a little bit of a uh, cattle background and uh, I had that heart for cattle ranchers. And I just want to tell you guys that when the Lord puts a dream on your heart, um, like step out in faith and just run for it, okay? Just run for it. If the Lord has put a dream on your heart, then fast for it. This week, like don't hesitate, all right? I think of when David saw Goliath. He picks up you know, the stones, and then it says, and he ran at Goliath. And I always love that picture. He's just like, I'm go- clearly you're the stronger one here, but I've got the Lord. And in the name of the Lord, I'm coming after you. And, and so I want to encourage you, if the Lord has put any vision on your heart, seek the Lord this week with us. Let us know what it is so we can pray with you and run for it without fear, without hesitation, with courage and bravery, because you're putting it all in the Lord's hands this week. And so you can just rest in him when he gives you the green light to go ahead and go for it. Something since I was a child that I've known God's called me to is it's preaching the gospel to cowboys. And I had years where I lived in the city. I had a bunch of skaters in my youth group, you know, like no cowboys, right? Um, the Lord brings me to Prineville. Even a few years goes by. No cowboys. We had a homeless ministry. No cowboys. And God just brought these countries. By the way, I love everybody. I love the skaters. If you're a skater, not a cowboy, if you're into whatever, like it's not about cowboys. I'm just saying for me, a vision for me was to reach ranchers. And you know what the Holy Spirit did? He opens up the doors that no man can shut. And he opens up this ranching ministry to go to the region and to be in the forest and to be riding and to be branding and to be eating with people that you have the opportunity to share the gospel with, and the Lord is bringing cowboys out of backslidden states. The Lord is bringing cowboys to salvation, and uh, I mean I, that's one of my favorite pictures because you just got Jesus being rent, uh, represented in the branding trap. Uh, he is on our conversations. Uh, On our lips, as we're around the fires and as we're in the traps, Uh, one of the guys there in the brown shaps on the left, uh, he's a guy that we had been praying for for a really long time. And uh, the Lord gave me an opportunity to share uh, just in depth the gospel of Jesus and the power of the resurrection. But through this ranching ministry and through times of prayer and fasting, came the Lord opening up the door to start calvary chapel palina so about an hour east of here on your way to seneca god opened up this door and um just you know it's it's a bit of a long story on how god did it and don't necessarily need to get into it but uh, i'm just telling you like when the lord is putting a direction on your heart run for it make the phone call be bold and be brave and <laughs> there's times that i'm scared doing it we've been in the car on road trips, like i gotta call him i gotta i gotta tell him like I want to use the church. To, oh, no, they're going to be so offended and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, we already know about you. We can't wait for you to come. Like, that's how the Lord moves. The next thing you know, there's rodeo outreaches going on. And God is being glorified and testified of um, in, uh, in Polina, in this case. Uh, and so that began kind of in 2017. And it was a couple years process. The Polina thing didn't start till 2019, but uh, as we began to continue praying and fasting, in 2018, one of the main things on our heart was praying over like this very slow-moving Episcopal church process. And uh, should we purchase, it would need to be uh, a move of the Lord, and we would need him to provide. And so uh, we basically came to a point where we needed to present to the body that uh, here's the direction we're going, and we're gonna need to raise something like I don't know. Adam's good at this stuff. Maybe it was seventy thousand dollars, seventy five down payment, fifty. Yeah, okay, fifty. We talked him down from seventy five to fifty. So the Lord was just like helping us out. Fifty thousand dollar down payment. Presented it to you guys. Uh, we also would need about another what for renovations at that time, just a hundred thousand. Yeah, uh, for renovating. And I'm telling you guys, we laid it before you. Just like, and it's just like, okay, we think the Lord's leading this way. What's the Lord doing? Boom! Like it's there, and the Lord is there for us to begin the, the closing process, the renovating process. I've got a few pictures. Just you know, this is just rejoicing. So this is where I'm standing. Actually, this is behind the curtain. Um, this stage goes back a whole nother bay, and uh, it was a very liturgical church, and so um, you know they had an altar for the whole church to come do communion. This is where you guys are at right now. Does it look just a little bit different? When you see the fireside room today, uh, you'll go in there and um, just you'll see just the work that's been done in here. And that's a whole other story. Maybe for our two-year anniversary, go downstairs and, and look in the children's ministry classes to just see the hard work that was put in. But maybe for our two-year anniversary uh, coming up, we'll kind of do like a really fun um, celebration and slideshow. But... Um, Moving forward with that, the Lord opened up the door and got us in here, and we did renovating, and we had a month to do the renovating before we moved in, and we got the main renovating done. Such an exciting time as a church. Uh, 2019 goes by. We're just getting settled in here. 2020 comes, and we already know, okay, we've only got four years left before we've got to pay this balloon payment off. Uh, To the Episcopal Church. So we got to start looking at loans with banks. And that's just a a rough thing. We already know that. And the Lord is impressing on our heart as we're praying that we need to just pay it off. Get it paid off in five years. So by 2024, we need to pay off this building. And let's just move on with missions and just getting out there with the gospel. And uh, the week after I shared that with you guys... COVID closed, closed down happens. So if you're ever wondering a great time to share a vision for paying something off, it's when you're not going to be around that thing for six months and wonder if you'll ever be in it again. So whatever it was, six months goes by. We're, we're finally able to come back in here. I share that first week. Okay, guys, like just remember, you know, now we've got three and a half years to pay this off and just trust in the Lord. By the end of the week, donations had come in. And the building was paid off uh, in full. By the way, the amount that came in, we still needed $57,000. And so we looked in our building savings account for what do we have in there to put towards it? $57,000 is the number that was in that savings account. So in one week, we have paid the building off. It's totally the Lord's. And now we're just like, Lord, whatever. What's next, Lord? What do you, what do you have? Like, where are you taking us? What can our resources be put toward? Um, that's an exciting thing that happened in twenty. 20. we also fasted together via zoom last year and we just joined up We said fast one meal a day and join us for zoom in the evenings And uh, and that was a really special powerful time We were fasting about paying the building off and how that could happen. God's faithful to do it Our nepal trip was canceled in 2020 and the lord had just burdened my heart that it's okay I'm gonna use this off year to do something fresh through your church concerning local outreach. And that's when the Lord gave the vision, um, if I can find it here, to do signs of life. Signs of life, just essentially uh, that we would just make up some billboard signs and uh, poster board signs, and we would just go out on the street downtown and start sharing the gospel with people that are all distraught with the crazy stuff that was happening in two thousand and twenty and just sharing the gospel as people drive by it by the grace of God, uh, Calvary Chapel Corvallis heard about it my brother in law heard about it. He started it in that church they 'd have seventy five people sometimes down on the street in Corvallis with signs of life still they 're still doing it even through the winter. They did one Christmas week, and they had a Joseph and a Mary and a baby Jesus out on the signs. Uh, of life outreach. And uh, not only uh, did the Lord move just in the downtime, um, but I believe that the next thing that the Lord has, just every year the Lord's just like, hey, just seek me for this. If you didn't hear last week's message, I just plead with you to get on YouTube and listen to it or onto our website uh, because uh, I believe the next thing the Lord desires us to fast and seek him for uh, for this year is uh, foster the love, Uh, and it's just the heart of the Lord that we as a church, every family that can, just if every family seeking the Lord this way, every family that can be open to opening up your home towards foster care or adoption or both, you know. And just say, Lord, our home is available for this pure and undefiled religion from James one twenty seven so you 'll want to listen to last week 's message and the casting of the vision for that because this next week we 're going to be seeking the Lord together for any and every family that can be a part of fostering and adoption in our county so we can be the aroma of Christ in this county, um, and that it doesn 't end there kind of on the right of your screen there. you might be a foster you might adopt a foster family. And help people that are doing that. Uh, you might be a respite provider. Or meet the needs of foster families. Also with that comes kindred connections. Which is a non-DHS. No connection to DHS. A ministry that we've also had to work with here. That the Lord just. Uh, it's a refreshing ministry. And so this year we're just seeking the Lord. For what he might do in providing. Homes for little kids. That are in desperate situations. And need people to love them. With the love of Jesus, so um, that's just kind of like a quick rundown of some of the hands, just faith, uh, the Lord's faithful hand on our church over the last eleven years. I'm going on my was it my twelfth year this next year. So going on twelve years this June, it'll be twelve years for us here in Pineville, and just the faithful hand of the Lord, uh, every one of those years. So. Um, it's 1140, and what I want to encourage you guys in is get online. Um, I'll, I'll share uh, and make an easy link on our website, but also we'll post it to Facebook. Last year's fasting um, sermon, okay? And I want to also share with you guys the link. Like, there's been something like 10 big sermons On fasting that we've done as a church that I mean just there's not much written on fasting believe it or not but over 11 years I've been diving almost every year I find a new little nugget and I and I'm able to track down just the faithful hand of the Lord but before we Get ready to leave um, This morning. I do want to just share some testimonies concerning fasting Uh, Martin Luther was criticized in church history because he fasted too much. John Calvin fasted and prayed until most of Geneva had turned to God. John Knox fasted and prayed, and the wicked Mary Queen of Scots said she feared no weapon like she feared John Knox's prayers. Jonathan Edwards, who was God's instrument in the revival of New England, fasted and prayed. He fasted 22 hours before preaching his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. Um, I, I'm a history buff, and I've tracked down some of my history to a guy named Titan's Lane who started the first church in Tennessee, Buffalo Ridge Baptist Church. It's still a church, a healthy, thriving church in Tennessee today. And Titans Lane was saved through the ministry of uh, the Great Awakening preacher Shubal Stearns. And uh, incredible story, but a simple search that I did yesterday showed that Shubal Stearns, kind of the George Whitfield of the South, was a man given to regular prayer and fasting. Perhaps you've heard of David Brainerd. And by the way, I'm just, today's just a special Sunday. Not a lot of scripture. I, I actually have a ton of scripture, but I, it's 1245. Like, church is over. I don't know if you guys know that or not. Um, so we are a church that preaches the word. Bring your Bibles. Okay, next week. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, what? I posted it all online. What do you want from me? Um, But one guy that I want to just share about as we're going to maybe give just a little bit of hope as you go forward in your fasting and praying is a guy named David Brainerd, okay? I know you think that my last name should be Brainerd. No. Oh, David Brainerd, you guys, a hero of the late 1700s. A guy that in his 20s went to Yale and found that Yale had begun watering down the word of God and the gospel and accepting secular doctrine. And he confronts Yale on their false gospel, is kicked out of Yale, and he goes ahead and uses the call on his life to begin reaching out to the Native Americans uh, in the area. Uh, David Brainerd, by the time he's 25, will have this incredible circuit to various tribes in the new world. And he'll be sharing the gospel to them. He's learning the different languages. He's kind of one of the first circuit preachers. He's one of my heroes because we kind of have a little circuit preaching ministry in the church. Paulina, Seneca, uh, John Day, back, you know, that kind of stuff going on. But, you know, David Brainerd, so it's really a little bit of a sad, tragic story By the time he was 27, he got a horrible stomach disease and died an agonizing death. Jonathan Edwards was a really good friend of his and was there on his deathbed with him, uh, helping him pass into eternity. Um, But something about David Brainerd was he had a regular life of prayer and fasting. And if you'll just give me just a little bit of time, I want to read some of his testimonies about prayer and fasting And maybe this would transpose into your life about your need this week to get before the Lord in prayer and fasting. So sometime in February 1738, Brainerd says, I set apart a day for secret prayer and fasting and spent the day in almost incessant cries to God for mercy that he would open my eyes to see the evil of sin and the way of life by jesus christ that's something that fasting does it humbles us before the lord and it opens our eyes to really get how serious sin is and maybe that's something for you you would need to seek the lord this week to see the serious of sin and the way of life that comes through jesus and brainerd says and god was pleased that day to make considerable discoveries of my heart to me And to make my endeavors of fasting a means to show me my helplessness in some measure. I constantly strove after whatever qualification I imagined others obtained before the reception of Christ. Sometimes I felt the power of a hard heart and supposed it must be softened before Christ would accept me. And when I felt any meltings of heart, I hoped now the work was almost done, and hence when my distress still remained, I was wont to murmur at God's dealings with me and thought when others felt their hearts soften, God showed then mercy. But my distress remains still. And so fasting and prayer is a t- to go to a seriousness with the Lord where you move beyond a thundercloud over your head. And I spoke with a man recently who just said, Man, I believe in Jesus, but I'm just constantly in a state of just discouragement. Am I even saved? And I'm telling you, spending time before the Lord, for David Brainerd, it was an opening of his eyes to be able to just know the grace and the favor of the Lord upon him. There are so many from his diary. I'm just going to pick a couple good ones. Uh, He said, in the time when I remained in, uh, in this state, My notions respected my duties. They were quite different from what I'd entertained in times past. Now I saw there was no necessary connection between my prayers and the divine mercy, that they laid not the least obligation upon God to bestow his grace upon me, and that there was no more goodness in them than there would be in my paddling in the water, which was the comparison I had then in my mind. And this because they were not performed from any love to God. I saw that I had not heaped upon my devotions before God, Fasting and prayer really thinking I was aiming at the glory of God where I never once truly intended it And so what David Brainerd says is something that I think it's Zechariah says that when we fast Don't think that it's your fast that's, like, gaining you some merit before God. Because that's not grace, okay? God wants us to come based upon his grace for us. And then he hears the pleadings of our heart through our groaning of our belly and our spirit to the Lord in fasting and prayer. And another thing Brainerd was saying in that as well is that, you know, we're not using this work to just um, appease God in any way. But it's just a pleasing fragrance uh, before him. And so David Brainerd, uh, ardent in prayer, and fasting, regularly saw the Holy Spirit move in his life and open up doors for different tribes uh, to be hearing the gospel. And as the worship team comes back up, fasting, you guys, if I could just kind of lay out some sort of a basic um, outline for you in the scripture of fasting. Fasting is a means of humbling ourselves before God It's a means of being sorrowful for our sin before the Lord. Isaiah chapter 58 says that fasting is a way for the Lord to break chains of wickedness in our life. And if we find oppression over ourselves with habits and bondage and addictions and patterns that are not Glorifying to God or edifying or may even be the thing that's sending us to hell fasting is a period that the Lord comes and he rains righteousness on us in Isaiah 58 I think it's verse 14 that says in those times he makes our souls like well watered gardens after he breaks us free from those chains. Fasting is a time to seek direction from the Lord. Ezra chapter 6 verse 8. He says, there I proclaimed to fast by the river Ahava. We humbled ourselves for the Lord and we sought from the Lord directions for ourselves and our little ones. I love that verse. It's a great memory verse. But are you here today and you're looking for direction for yourselves and your little ones and it says, and our possessions? How about the book of Esther. Right There's a genocide going to happen to the Jews. They're all going to die. But God had placed Esther in just the right time for just the right place. Uh, the Jews were so scared of the genocide, they began fasting and praying. And God caused the king to notice that there was a heroic Jew in his midst that he never ordered. Esther's uncle Mordecai. Come on in, Mordecai. Is there anything I can do for you? I've never honored you after you saved my life and were a hero for me. Well, actually, one of your guys is trying to kill all my people. <laughs> you know, is, that's way paraphrased. That's not even really how the story goes. <laughs> this happened, this happened, but just bear with me, okay? And the Lord had put Mordecai's niece Esther into a place to kind of romance the king and show him that their people were in bondage. And as she goes to tell the king that their people were going to be just destroyed and wiped off the face of the earth... She proclaimed a three-day total fast, no food, no water. And she says, we just got to trust the Lord now. If I perish, I perish. And the Lord does these incredible events to open up the king's eyes to see the treachery that was happening. And the wicked man, Haman, who'd been plotting their demise is the one that ends up hanging on the gallows that were meant for the good guys. Okay, so just this incredible story. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, When you pray, pray like this. And then he says, when you fast, fast like this. He doesn't say, if you ever pray and, eh, if you ever get that crazy notion to just starve yourself for a few days. (laughs) Yeah, nobody really just wants to do that, okay? He says, when you pray and when you fast. It's a practice that even Jesus assumes, hey, disciples, fast. They seek me. We fast for power over unclean things. This kind of demon does not come out but by prayer and fasting. There's some kind of demon in your life. There's some kind of darkness in your life. There's some kind of a stronghold. And you've tried praying. And you've tried talking. And you've tried reading your Bible. And those are all really good things. But maybe you've never tried interceding through fasting before the Lord. And even bringing your friends along with you for that. Fasting is connected with the direction of the Lord for church leadership, for knowing spiritual gifts in your life. There's a lot. I'm not getting into it. It's literally books and books that I would love to share with you today. But for some reason, it's time to end. And so if you guys will stand with me, we are going to close with a song. Man, if I can just encourage hopefully you just hear again from someone who loves to eat, from someone who understands the stress and the cost of gathering three times a day. Oh my goodness, overkill, you know? Obsessed much? You know, I think so. Yeah, we're obsessed with Jesus here, okay? But if I could, I mean, we have testimonies and testimonies and many of you in this room, you have testimonies of God healing you. You have testimonies of God bringing your children to the Lord. You have testimonies of freedom from bondage of sin and lust and just, uh, you have testimonies of God providing and selling houses and, you know, just there's so many things that God has done in our church. This is just like, I'm just trying to share everything that kind of happened corporately, stuff that we are crying out to the Lord for. But you guys, here on just an individual Level, Like, you don't care about Jesus. You don't want to read your Bible. You don't care about your Bible. You kind of hate church. I mean, there's so many different things. You're, you're addicted to alcohol. You're addicted to pornography. You're, you're, you know, your marriage is like on the brink of divorce. You hate your wife. Your wife hates you. Your kids don't love Jesus. Your kids won't talk to you. Like, there, there's so much stuff that's represented in this room that we need Jesus. And this is what he's come for. He's come to set us free and he's come to heal. And he's the God who provides Jehovah Jireh. Like, we as a church, we're like, we need space for these little kids that we're teaching to love Jesus. Boom, how about this? And how about I pay it off for you? And how about just every dream that I'm putting in your heart as you're seeking me? I'm just going to go ahead and do it for you. But the crazy paradigm and mystery in the scripture is that sometimes Jesus doesn't move until we ask. We ask. Sometimes Jesus doesn't break through until we knock. And then we keep knocking and we seek him. And so I just plead with you this afternoon, talk with your wives, talk with your kids, look and make a plan and be intentional for this week. And I'm, I know that for everyone, it's not going to be, I'm down there every single day uh, we've had people take vacations to be down here every day. Every That's amazing. God might be calling you to do that. Some of you, it's not going to be that. Some it's going to be, you know what, man? I can do a chicken breast every day and I'll be down here at dinner time with you guys. Like that's what I can do. Praise God. I can do a chicken broth diet for a week. Praise God. I can drink Gatorade f- during the week. Awesome. There's no condemnation. Some of you, you're like, you don't even understand like where my marriage is at or where my lust level is at. You know what? Three days. By the way, this is what the doctors recommend. Three days, no food, no water. That's how desperate I am for God to change what's going on in this pattern of behavior. So seek the Lord, will ya? And we're gonna close with this song. And uh, I just wanna encourage you to let it speak to you because I think every one of us here, God wants to move in a biblical way in your life. In something that, man, this this would go down in something you'd read in the Bible the way that he's providing and the way that he's moving in our family and in our home and in my marriage and,